Welcome to How Story Works from Chipperish Media. I'm concept developer Dr. Kelly Jones. And I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich. We are breaking up How Story Works into four seasons following four topics, character, conflict, structure, and magic. This is season two, Conflict. Today, we're examining the conflicts in 2019's Knives Out. And if it needs fixing, we'll use narrative theory to fix it. I love that note of mystery, right? Does it need fixing? We don't know. Stay tuned and find out. (laughs) Okay, so all of you out there, say it with me now. Story is power, and we don't leave power on the table. So let's get to work. All right, Dr. Jones, here we are looking at Knives Out, which was written and directed by Ryan Johnson, which some people may know from the uh, Star Wars. I believe he did The Last Jedi. Um, This movie came out November 27th, 2019. Um, So actually, not that long ago, but feels like forever because the last year has been 10 years. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It was. And I, I was telling somebody about this movie today and I was like, you know, it came out last year. No, mm-hmm. no, it didn't. No, no it did not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but it was it was really fun. Um, it was yeah. fun to watch a recent release, which I realize I don't mm-hmm. do a yeah. whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, really enjoyed the movie. So I'm glad we get to I'm glad we get to talk about it. Oh, good. I'm glad. I really enjoyed it, too. And as I was going through it, um, I have a spreadsheet in Google um, that I'll share when we do a structure with everybody mm-hmm. and how story works. So that is basically for taking notes to kind of like figure out a story structure. And as I was playing with that and kind of figuring out how the structure works, I'm like, I really want to talk about structure, but we're not going to because today is about conflict. This season is about conflict. We're going to focus in on the conflict. Uh, but I think what we're going to do is when we come back for season three of How Story Works Conversation, and talk about structure, I think we're going to revisit this movie again mm-hmm. and kind of take a look at how that structure works because it is a really, really interesting, unusual structure, um, but a nice structure for uh, for a mystery. Um, so speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about mysteries. Um, there are basically, out of all the genres, um, you know, like romance and a thriller, adventure, all that kind of stuff, most of them are um, attached to some kind of um, emotional experience, right? You know, you watch a drama to make you cry you know you watch a romance to make you feel in love you watch like a thriller action adventure to get that like adrenaline boost you know um but there are two genres that tend to be intellectual um sci-fi and mysteries Mm -hmm. um so in sci-fi the experience is intellectual in the sense that sci-fi sets up a what-if question and then explores that possibility through the story um many sci-fis especially older ones do this in a way that tends to be intellectually engaged but somewhat emotionally emotionally removed. Um, If you think about these old Twilight Zone episodes, you know, where at the end you have some kind of reveal that shows you that the the whole world is something that you, uh, you know, that you didn't think it was based Mm -hmm. on whatever this central concept is. Most Star Trek episodes actually um, are also kind of built around this sort of sci-fi model with more intellectual questions being uh, raised and, and fewer emotional moments, although 
more modern storytelling really likes to get that emotional stuff kind of mixed in there. Mm-hmm. Now, mysteries, on the other hand, the other intellectual genre, um, in its most classic form, a mystery will have an intellectual puzzle at the center, and the central conflict is almost always investigator versus perpetrator, where the investigator wants to solve the mystery or catch the perpetrator, and the perpetrator, of course, wants to get away with it. So this structure allows for kind of self-insertion of the reader living through this experience sort of as the investigator. The reader gets all the same information as the investigator and tries to solve the puzzle along with the investigator. Uh, So in the classic mysteries, if you think of the early to mid 20th century, your Agatha Christie, your Dorothy Sayers, your Michael Gilbert, um, Mm -hmm. this was done with little to no actual personal investment of the investigator. It was solely about getting all the puzzle pieces and solving that puzzle. Um, But modern audiences um, really require an emotional hook even into these two classically intellectual genres. Mm -hmm. Um, So you will almost never see straight sci-fi or straight mystery anymore. And we're definitely going to talk about that again, um, definitely with regard to sci-fi when we talk about Arrival in a couple of weeks, which is going to be so fun. I can't wait to have that discussion. I am so excited about that. Um, And I was really curious about genre Mm -hmm. and, and Knives Out because I went in cold. I didn't know anything uh-huh. about this movie i just you know we're yeah. gonna watch it um so it was definitely you know a mystery but when i was googling afterwards to kind of read more about it i saw it described as a caper i saw it described as mm. a dark comedy mystery mm-hmm. um and and so i was and it reminded me a lot of clue which i love yes Mm-hmm. So is this a sub genre of mystery or is it just a mystery that also happens to have dark comedy built into it? Um, I mean, I think it also has dark comedy. I mean, it's it's definitely like a fusion. You know, mm-hmm. it's got more than one. But I think like the the main story, the aesthetic of it. I mean, you know, what is the the um, uh cops say he lives on a clue board right yeah you know yeah it is it is built around that mm-hmm. um so it's definitely it's a mystery but it's also it's really interesting because it's a mystery where the central conflict is actually internal yeah which i find really interesting and i loved that so much because i i, I am very drawn to the intellectual stories the mysteries the science fiction mm-hmm. but i like them with emotional heart Um, And I did not Mm -hmm. expect that here. And so it was Mm -hmm. really fun to see. But I think they did a good job really from early on in kind of establishing that tone because the Mm -hmm. the board game plays a role in this movie. Mystery novels as a thing play a Mm -hmm. role in this movie, you know, and you have Mm -hmm. that amazing study with that study. And like, I'm really sorry Harlan died, but like, I need that study and I don't think he would mind (laughs) if I just move in and take it over um yes Mm -hmm. but it was really neat to see like a mystery that had emotional heart and had dark comedy that was actually an internal conflict like I was really delighted by this by that you know part Mm -hmm. of the 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 conflict yes central narrative conflict um that was really 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 conflict yeah that was really cool and really fun to watch Mm mm-hmm yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right, so let's go ahead and get started, right? We're using yes. this to, as an illustration. Um, often when we talk about stories, we're doing fix-its, right? Using narrative theory to fix stories. Um, but I think in this case, it's really an illustration. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we've been talking a lot about conflict. We've been talking about the different kinds of conflict this season on how story works. And um, so what kinds of conflicts are present in Knives Out? What do you see there? 
Oh, my God. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. so much because you have that central narrative conflict within mm-hmm. Mara. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But but then you have all of the like scene by scene narrative conflict. Right. Because you have mm-hmm. each family member wanting to you know, family member versus detective for some reason or other. You have so many Mm -hmm. motives. You have so many secrets that aren't directly Mm -hmm. related to the murder, but that people still don't, you know, want discovered. So you have that going Mm -hmm. on. You have the conflict that we sense between Marta and the detective that, Mm -hmm. you know, feels like a little bit of a cat and mouse, kind of like on a different level. Um, So almost every scene you have a character versus another and then you have that overarching central narrative conflict within Marta that carries us all the way through. Um, yeah. And then everybody also, like each character seemed to have their own individual goal as well yeah. that was not even related, right? So we've got the granddaughter that wants her tuition to continue to be paid. We've got the grandson who really wants to be a Nazi and I hope is in therapy now. We have the, <laughs> you know... The guy who wants to keep having his affair and not get caught. We have the, you know, so like everybody had, they felt like very fleshed out characters because they all had their own goals. They all had their own conflicts. They all had their own conflicts with Harlan. They all had conflicts with each other. Like it was really, really well done. Yeah, it is a fabulous uh, movie to, to talk about conflict with because there are so many conflicts at play. We have one central narrative conflict, which is the internal conflict with Marta. She mm-hmm. wants to tell the truth, right? So much so that she has a what is it, a regurgitative response to mistruth in or something like that, right? Yep. Um, so she always wants to tell the truth, um, and that is something that is is within her, like a physical, you know, violent. Uh, response. Um, But she also wants to protect her mother and honor Harlan's wishes, right? Mm -hmm. She's doing what he asked her to do, you know? Um, And so the fact that he sacrificed himself out of love for her, I mean, he, you know, figured he was going to die anyway, right? right? You know, right. But that he did all of this, he took his last moments on earth to protect her and to protect her mother. Um, and uh, and I really, really loved that because you know how, I mean, I love a love story, right? Yes. And the love story oh. between Marta and Harlan was just so incredibly sweet. I love when they're playing Go. I yes. love all of that. Like all of that character work they did was just lovely. Um, but you're right. Like we've got a ton of conflicts we've got of course like a million different like you know mundane conflicts the kind of bickering conflict you know mm-hmm. while your nazi son was what was it <laughs> masturbating in the bathroom to pictures of dead deer or something like that something everything in this is so i have to watch this movie a number of other times in order to catch everything that this movie does um but we have all of these you know narrative conflicts on the scene level and i've talked about that a little bit before in that you can have a central narrative conflict that spans the entire story that is the conflict upon which the goal-based conflict upon which the structure is built, right? Mm -hmm. So that's our central narrative conflict. That's Marta. That's Marta's internal conflict, right? So we're following that, which I love in a mystery, 
you know we've got all these cops trying to find the murderer you know and and we do have that like secondary kind of subplot conflict of uh, benoit blank trying Mm -hmm. or blanc i'm sorry they called him blank and he corrected uh benoit blanc um and he's trying to find the murderer and of course the real murderer is trying to not get caught but we Mm -hmm. also know by the end of the first act that harlan was not murdered that he did commit suicide you know um so so all of that is just so incredibly interesting but when you're thinking about how you want to build levels of conflict um you really only need the one central narrative conflict in order to structure a story, right? That's all you need. But you can have so many more. You can have all of these narrative conflicts. You can have all these conflicts where, um, you know, this family, each member of these families is being talked to by the cops and they are, uh, they all have a goal. You know, they all have things they want to hide, things they don't want to tell the cops. And of course, the cops just want to get at the truth. So we have that in a scene level narrative conflict because it is goal based, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the cop wants to find out what's going on and the people don't want to tell the truth about what's going on. And then we also have all of these, you know, flashback scenes of conflict between all of these people and Harlan, the night of the party. Right. You know, he's going to rat on Richard and tell Linda that Richard has been cheating on her. He's going to cut Ransom off. You know, Um, he's going to cut Joni off, who's played by the beautiful Tony Collette. And oh, my God, I love her so much in this. She is amazing. Um, so we have like all of those kinds of conflicts that are happening at that level as well. Um, Walt, where he's cutting off Walt for, um, you know, or not letting Walt, you know, get the Netflix deal or whatever. Um, so there's so many different things happening and all of those are narrative conflicts too. Harlan wants to cut them off and they want their money, you know? Um, yeah, it's just really, really wonderfully built. And And I think why it worked or at least my 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 reaction as a viewer as a reader mm-hmm. was so there's mm-hmm. so much going on but yeah. the writing is so tight mm-hmm. the dialogue yes. is so tight that it, it everything comes quickly it is a quick flash it is a single sentence of dialogue that tells you mm-hmm. about this conflict it is a super short flashback but you never lose sight of marta yeah you never lose sight mm-hmm. of that you know that that main central narrative conflict the whole time and and you know what marta knows the whole time Mm -hmm. so like the ending is not what you expect but you right nobody lied to the audience you know we knew what what marta knew when she knew it um so it was it was such a great example for me in terms of complexity that works really well because of pacing because of the mm-hmm. economy of dialogue you know because of writing the, the writing yeah. in addition to like this the structure and the conflict was so good um mm-hmm. so that part was really really cool to watch but i never felt like any part was dragging or that i was getting yeah. lost even though there are a million moving parts to this there's a lot of stuff yeah. going on but you're mm-hmm. able to actually follow it pretty well um one of the things i love too that this movie does it's one of the things um tangled did this and i've talked about this in earlier episodes of how story works how uh we have a central narrative conflict carrying us all the way and then that conflict gets resolved 
launching a second conflict that then carries the rest of that climax. Um, And I don't have like, I haven't named that device just yet, but I'm going to name that soon. I'll come up with something for it. Maybe by the time we do the structure discussion. But we have here this internal conflict with Marta where she wants to tell the truth, right? But she can't. She Mm -hmm. wants to honor Harlan's wishes. She wants to protect her mother. Um, Then we get to the end where she finally tells the truth and says, this is what happened. Right. Um, But at that time, Benoit Blanc is figuring out that this is what Marta knows, but it's not the whole story, that there's more going on there. Right. And then it really becomes Benoit becomes our protagonist against Ransom, trying Mm -hmm. to again, we get a there's where we get our classic like um, investigator versus perpetrator conflict. Right. Um, And it's funny because we're we're still the investigator is still not really our protagonist. We have right. like one scene, I think, where we're in Benoit Blanc's POV and Marta is not there. Marta is pretty much there. At least it, even if we don't, even if she's not in the scene, like we know she knows what happens because Harlan tells her. So she still has mm-hmm. all the knowledge of what was happening in those scenes. This is how Harlan told her those stories, you know? So she knows all of that stuff. But we get to the part where she doesn't know everything anymore. And she kind of is, she's still our protagonist, but she's kind of on the side there. Benoit Blanc comes in, takes over. It's between him and Ransom. He is revealing everything. And then, Mm -hmm. um, but then it's, it's Marta who is actually able to trick Ransom. Yep into um into giving himself away right yeah. yes i yeah. killed fran but i guess i didn't because she's okay right right um right. so it's really nice and yeah. like i don't know i'm still figuring i mean maybe you know yeah but it's it's benoit who's doing everything yeah. you know in that, well, that marta climax. marta passes the ball to to blanc i think he does might his be a thing group protagonist and then there. he passes it back and she dunks it because like yeah. it still came down to her being able to lie and hold her off lying to throwing up long and getting that exactly. to trick ransom. Oh my god, that is so disgusting. It too. was so gross. Like the thing That's... is, the vomit all the way through. We don't see it exactly. We just see her. We did not oh, need that god. last visual. That's the only. There are two things in this movie yeah. I need to change. That, <laughs> that's it. And I can't yeah. decide between the two of these which one bothers me more. But that was so gross um, yeah. that I was like, but it worked narratively. I just didn't want it, it visually. Um, I didn't want it visually either. But at the same time, I think like as much as I disliked it, mm-hmm. and I did because that is yeah, that one was of the disgusting. It grosses me out, and I have like I I have a sympathetic response. Yeah, to people really who gross. are ill in that way um mm-hmm. and yeah and it just makes me feel really really gross as a matter of fact talking about it now is making me feel a little bit oh uh, well let's change anyway. the subject so go back to no, it's this, all right. this it's cli- all right climax well, no, I wanna, triggered I wanna... <laughs> by climax because <laughs> right. like we could have a lot of fun naming that i, I know well i'm that excited be, to name that, that because be really we have fun. we have that climax as resolved as soon as she tells the truth her internal conflict is boom gone but we yeah. still have to resolve the rest of the conflict and um and so we kind of shift into i think where i have to think about it a little bit more but i i think it's where we have like a dual protagonist mm-hmm. where benoit and um and marta yeah. are actually working together toward the same goal right yep. but marta doesn't entirely know 
the whole time. Like Benoit is setting all of this up. He's mm-hmm. figured it out. Mm-hmm. He's saying what happened. And then once Marta like is on board and sees what's going on, that's when she steps in and takes that action. Yeah. And that's when they, you know, they beat Ransom. Ransom goes to jail. Yep. And then we have, you know, the resolution where the world has changed, right? We take our meaning from a story and how the world has changed. And mm-hmm. here we are at the end. All of these people, you know, are these rotten, terrible, horrible people looking back up at Marta as she stands on what is now her balcony. Yep. Drinking from my my, my house, my rules, my coffee. Is that my it? house, my rules, my coffee. That was my. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about it in the favorite part. I love that so yeah. much. <laughs> Yeah, it's really, really good. It was so it's well really done. Good. I mean, it really, really was. It was really well done. Yeah. And even, and even when conflict. she mm-hmm. she's kind of, you know, passing that protagonist hat to yeah. Blanc at the end, she still knows something he doesn't know because mm-hmm. she knows that Fran is dead. Right. He doesn't know. There's no way he can mm-hmm. know that because she said yeah. the words and she didn't throw up. So she's still mm-hmm. driving more of that. Well, she takes the action. He reveals everything. He lays it out. But she takes that action at the end. And how much do I love that they didn't take that final moment away exactly. from her and give it to Benoit. Yes. That they gave that final moment of victory to Marta who had earned it at yep. that point. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yep. Um, so, okay, when we talk about whether or not we want to fix a story, right? We want to mm-hmm. look at what it set out to do, what it did well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what we liked about it. So you always want to start with the positives and anything that you might be wanting to fix. Yeah. Um, because you want to make sure that these are the things that you preserve with whatever you use to fix the story. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so what the story did well, I mean, what did the story set out to do? Did it do what it set out to do? Yeah, I think it set out. It, okay. This felt like a snarky love letter to mystery like to yeah. the genre itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so it set out to be a snarky mystery with an all-star mm-hmm. cast and and to be a smart funny mystery story i think it did exactly that i think it absolutely did i mean it presents like a mystery it has all of the aesthetics of the classic classic clue board mystery right mm-hmm. you know um except that we think we know what happened yeah right marta thinks that she knows what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, in reality, we didn't. So we're in a mystery that presents as not a mystery, but is actually a mystery. And yeah. we're on the side. I mean, this is the thing. Like here we have this classic investigator versus perpetrator, right? And Marta believes that she, you know, is the perpetrator. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so we do have that where she's, we're on the side of the perpetrator trying mm-hmm. to get away with it. Um, yeah. And then that flips on its head as soon as we realize that she didn't. Oh God. And I love that. Can I just say how much I love that moment where he says, even though the labels were switched, you knew there is a tiny difference in viscosity yep. and you knew, you knew it, which one was right. Yeah, because yeah. the whole thing was an, a reinforcement of, right, you know your shit. You're a good yes. nurse. You knew what you mm-hmm. were doing. You didn't do anything wrong. You tried to tell the truth the whole time and let us reward you with millions and millions of dollars in a great house with a trick window and a study. And this is what I'm talking about. This is how the world yeah. should work. Um, right. But it, was, it was so much fun in a very unexpected, what felt like a tribute to mystery to yeah. add like a level of... 
I don't know, reader experience that was just so different yeah. and unexpected mm-hmm. that didn't feel like a gimmicky twist exactly. No, it, was, it didn't, which you know, I you loved. Think we, we are with Marta, who is telling mm-hmm. us the truth. The writers yes. are telling us the truth the whole time. So yep. we're experiencing that with her. Uh, but it reminded me, I really enjoyed reading uh, Big Little Lies by mm-hmm. Lynn Moriarty. Um, I think that's Leanne right. Leanne Moriarty, I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it's a mystery. But you don't know until the end who's dead. Yeah. So you, you oh, have this whole... Yeah. Ca- now, the show doesn't work that way. They made a show based on it, but the book does. So mm-hmm. you're you're invested in all these characters through the whole book, and you don't find out until the end which one of them is oh, dead. Oh, my goodness. And it, I, it was so different. It was just a different experience of the mystery yeah. story. And I enjoyed reading that. And it felt a lot like that in this, too. Mm-hmm. So it was... Yeah, I think it, it was really... It did exactly what it set out to do. Yeah, it's so great. I really, really enjoyed the way that they uh, they pulled all of this stuff together. And again, doing that, like one of the things, and you will hear me, anybody who's followed any of my work for any length of time knows how much I hate the the twist for the twist's sake. Yeah. You know, um, where you put up so much scaffolding, like as writers, we'll be like, oh, here's a cool twist or whatever. And then you put up so much scaffolding to hold that up mm-hmm. that it ends up taking up so much of the real estate that you have to tell your story. And it just becomes a hindrance and a weight for something that isn't really necessarily worth it. But a twist done well. You know, all of this was consistent throughout. And, you know, you were talking about how they didn't lie to the audience Mm -hmm. because we are in Marta's POV. We know what she knows and we understand what she understands. And in no at no point did they lie about what she knows or what she or withhold anything she didn't know. And because we were in her POV, the fact that we didn't know is not lying to the audience. So I thought that that was really great, really nicely done. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, you know, so what about this movie was good? What are the things that we want to keep? Literally everything. The only thing I would change right. is mm-hmm. that last visual because it grossed me out. And and I have to have mm-hmm. in a minute, I will express feelings yes. about accent work. But other than that, I wouldn't change a damn thing. <laughs> I really wouldn't. You know, yeah. I mean, I really wouldn't. I wouldn't even change the vomit as much as I hated it, as much as it grossed me out. I think that it was a really, really effective moment. And then to have that asshole, you know, have yeah. vomit all over his face. That's it's true. kind of fitting. Um, and, and the fact that he has this guy who lied and lied and lied and manipulated through the whole thing ends up in that humiliating position of having vomit all over him but it mm-hmm. is the vomit of truth yes, right you know i mean she has the vomit yes. of truth right That's so true. for him to be laced in this really disgusting physical manifestation of mistruthin right for yeah, uh for this character i think is I think it's it's kind of so yeah. poetic and so beautiful that I can't really help but love it. I know. It works narratively. Mm-hmm. I just, ugh, the visual yeah. I can't handle. But, you know, I, for no. the story, it was good. I think, it's, um, I think it's good. I would defend it as a choice. I mean, it's gross yeah. and it drives me crazy, but I would defend it as a choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, so what are the things that you liked specifically? Um, I loved Harlan. I was sincerely sad to see him dead. Um, When we Mm -hmm. first get the scene of him dead in his study, there's a part of me that is appalled because it's a loss of human life and that's tragic, but you don't murder someone in the middle of a goddamn chapter. (laughs) 
Like that is a whole new level of heinous <laughs> and inhumane. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and so I was very relieved to find yes. out that he was not killed in the middle right. of his reading because that would have broken my heart. Um, I genuinely <laughs> liked him. I liked him mm-hmm. saying, I'd like to fix some of this before I die. Yeah. I like him yeah. taking responsibility for mm-hmm. the, the, the horrible people in his family. Um, yeah. I love his friendship with Marta. I love their banter, you know, mm-hmm. come on, old man, shut up and take your medicine and go to bed. And, and the yeah. way that they were playing, you know, the and games. That's a narrative and the, conflict too. The goal. Yes. He wants to play go. She wants him to we'll take still, the medicine so she can go home. Right. Yep. I love yep. that. It's mm-hmm. so good. Um, I love all the humor. I mm-hmm. love when Ransom stabs her. And the scene is so good, right? You have the slow motion dive mm-hmm. and he's coming in with a knife. And I mean, give me Chris Evans holding on to a helicopter or whatever in a sweater. It's great. And he stabs her <laughs> and it's a toy. And he's just like, shit. Like it was yes. funny. It was really it's well done. so great. Oh, yeah. And it's fun seeing Captain America play an asshole. Play an asshole. Um, yeah. But I, mm-hmm. I love Marta outplaying Ransom simply by being mm-hmm. honest and kind like yes. it was it was good but my my mm-hmm. favorite of course was jamie lee curtis because oh my mm-hmm. god she's amazing yeah and when Joni is talking to you know blank 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 at the beginning blank. and she yeah. says mm-hmm. i read a tweet about a new york article about you I'm dying because like we don't cite secondary sources. I'm cracking up. It's hilarious. But then bam, Jamie Lee Curtis is like, I know who you are. And I read the actual New Yorker article about you. And it was so Mm -hmm. great. That was my favorite line in the whole thing. It was so funny. So I enjoyed it. Oh, and fun side note. Yes. So the, the kid who plays the terrible grandson, Jacob, um, is, he stars with Chris Evans in a show called Defending Jacob, where he plays Chris Evans' son, who is also named Jacob. Wow. Right? That is it was that just, is so interesting. Yep. What's funny too is I just saw that kid in um It, right? Oh, um, I haven't seen that. You know, we just watched I don't like horror movies, but uh I ended up watching it. Um, which was a terrifying, yeah. horrible. I mean, it was yeah. actually it wasn't terrible. We're not talking about it. The point is, I just saw him in that. He was just yeah. in that movie, well, he, and then I was def- like, "Oh my god, that's that kid!" Defending yeah. Jacob is is excellent. It's very dark. Oh, good. Um, mm-hmm. It is very dark and twisted, but mm-hmm. uh, but they're great together. He's a he is a very creepy kid in that movie too. Yeah, I mean, he in is that show, very too. creepy. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So I I I was just like in, and in fact, I enjoyed it so much. I kept forgetting to take notes and having to go back. Because I was yeah. actually caught up in narrative transport in watching the movie and the experience. So what about you? What yeah. did you love? Um, well, all of the things, right, that you mentioned. Um, I definitely, I loved the, um, I love the the actors in it. I thought that they mm-hmm. all did a wonderful job. Don Johnson as that <laughs> idiot, you know. Um, <laughs> immigrants, we got the job done. Oh, like, God. Oh, God terrible um but one of the things i liked is that we um there a lot of times um you know when i'm going through material i talk about like the problems that a story might have in the way it represents um certain people in the way Mm -hmm. it sends implicit messages that are highly damaging talk about that kind of stuff all the time um and so one of the pushback questions i get from that are people who say well what does every you know character need to be perfect and 
And no, absolutely every character does not need to be perfect. Um, and this movie is actually a fabulous example of this. These characters are not perfect. They are awful in a lot of ways. Um, we have no less than like four countries that they say that Marta is from. You know, yes. nobody knows. Nobody knows where she's actually from. Um, there's a lot of subtle racism. Um, there's a lot of classism. There's a mm -hmm. lot of just like, like, you know, just gross stuff from all of these characters. The characters are well written. The characters are good. I wouldn't change anything. And here's the reason why. Because the text does not rubber stamp any of this behavior. The yes. text shows that these people are assholes when they do this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Linda says Marta's from Ecuador. Richard says she's from Paraguay. And then Uruguay Ransom says she's from Brazil. Um, and I don't think, I don't think we ever find out like textually exactly where she is from. And uh -huh. I kind of love that because it doesn't matter. This is her story. She is simply Marta and she does not yeah. need to categorize herself. Yep. You know, which I really kind of loved. Um, you know, Richard tells her to speak and then doesn't give her space to speak while he's asking her about all this stuff and then hands her his dish to carry back to the kitchen. She's the nurse, dude. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so all of that stuff is beautiful and it's very clear. The text is being absolutely completely clear about the fact that we are not rubber stamping these characters. Yeah. And in fact, now that you say that, I remembered this moment that I loved. I think it was mm -hmm. Walt cornered yeah. Marta and he was saying after yeah. they found out that she had inherited all this money. And he's like, you know, it would be a real shame if this came out about your mom. And if you had the resources, like we could help you with her immigration. And he's and yeah. like not only is the text showing us what an asshole he is, but also how stupid he is because yeah. Marta simply steps in and says, I have all your resources, motherfucker. I can. Thanks. Exactly. I'm good. You know, and then she closes the door on his face. So like her. But, yeah, it was. I, it really felt like affirming and like, hell yes. And I mean, they did a really good job with that just, uh, subtly throughout the whole movie. But yeah, you're right. They It was very clear that these were terrible people being terrible. Um, yeah. 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 And it's a really excellent example of the difference between a text that illustrates a flawed perspective versus a text that rubber stamps that perspective. Yes. You know? yeah. That is the difference that I'm talking about. Yep. So when people complain and say, what, everybody has to be perfect? No. No, everybody doesn't have to be perfect. Everybody shouldn't be perfect. We should acknowledge the fact that there are mindsets out there that are completely damaging. We just should acknowledge also that they are damaging. Right. You know, and that that's not the correct way. It's not a right and fair and just way to look at the world. And so maybe don't look at the world that way, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I absolutely I think it's one of my favorite things about uh, this movie is what, how they did that so incredibly well. And so that's definitely something that I would preserve. So these are all things that we would absolutely want to preserve in any kind of fix, right, of this yeah. story. So let's go ahead and talk about the things that are broken. What are the things that we would fix? And I believe that you have something that you would fix. I do. I mm -hmm. do. It's not a story thing. And it's it, it's it doesn't hurt the narrative. It's just aesthetic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but oh, dear God, Daniel Craig's southern accent. What the actual fuck? I thought it was a joke. <laughs> 
When he first started talking, I was like, oh, look, uh-huh. it's Sherlock Holmes impersonating Rhett Butler. Ha, ha, ha. No, dude. Uh-huh. That was the accent they gave him for this movie. And I'm like, I'm looking it up. I'm like, isn't Daniel Craig British? Yes. Yes, he is. You know what he's not? Southern. So what the hell? And I'm like, okay. So I'm trying to place it because I'm I'm listening to the different things he says and the different way he does it and i'm like all right there's a joke here and i'm missing the joke and i don't understand it i'm like this is like listening to louisiana and tennessee arm wrestling while drunk voiced by someone who's ever only watched the kentucky derby on tv i'm like what the hell what happened i'm like it has to be it has everything in this movie is too good for that to be an accident it has to be a joke that i'm not getting because mm-hmm. holy god that was unbelievably terrible it was so bad it was funny after about 15 <gasps> minutes i was howling just oh my god i mean oh my god it was so goddamn was funny part of the jo- this is the only thing i'm not sure if it was just bad accent work or if that was part of the joke I, that it, it was so bad that it has to be part of the joke it has it to be has to be joke. this movie is too good for that In to have slipped case, by everybody Right. Him doing that an accent that bad for the entire movie is really a credit to Daniel I mean, Craig. Holy shit. There are moments when it drops completely. It's just gone. <laughs> I have no idea. It's just and then I'm like, oh, you could you could bing it uh, like if you had one of those little interactive maps, you could mm-hmm. ping him around and be like, Oh well now he's in New Orleans. No, no, wait, now he's up in Chattanooga and then he's going down to Georgia, y'all. And I'm like, Oh my god, I can't even with this. It was so I it. funny. I am convinced there has to be a story mm-hmm. there, there has to be something because mm-hmm. you know, they were Sherlocking him real hard. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. something's well, afoot. Well, yeah, he, he called her his Watson. Watson. Yeah, 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 the game's mm-hmm. afoot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, honey, the game is afoot, but your foot is in your mouth, and we got to do something about it. Like, this is just bad. So I don't know. I don't know what happened. It has uh-huh. to be. It had to be on purpose, and it has to be a joke that I'm just not getting. But I by the know. end of it, yeah. I was I was enjoying it. I mean, I was just, I was laughing. I love um, it. Yeah, it was so, oh my God, it was so bad. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, you had another question too. I did. And I don't know if Mm -hmm. this is an actual criticism because if this had Mm -hmm. happened, we would not have a movie. Right. But the the Mm -hmm. logic part of my brain does not turn off no matter how engaged Mm -hmm. I am. So my question is, why didn't Harlan leave a suicide note? So Mm -hmm. he's a mystery writer. He, He knows someone could have ended up blamed for his murder mm-hmm. his whole family's right. in his house there are mm-hmm. millions of dollars that are going to be contested he had mm-hmm. he had six eight minutes and obviously the man is an effective time manager like he got a lot done yeah, in that right. amount of time right like this this dude can figure <laughs> shit out he was so engaged yeah. he was basically taking notes on this yeah. as a plot which was great uh-huh. by the way i love that yeah. mm-hmm. but he didn't leave a note and so yeah. I'm like, so was he actually okay with the idea of someone in his family being blamed for his murder? Mm-hmm. Did he not think about it? You know, we even get a note from him at the end. We get a note in Invisible yeah. Ink that he has left. Well, that was he, the one that he had written, yeah, to his daughter before. To his daughter. Mm-hmm. But we don't get a suicide note from something that mm-hmm. he gave his life to make look like a suicide. And right. so I couldn't yeah. quite figure out it didn't make sense to me why he wouldn't have done that. But had he left a note, we wouldn't have the movie. That's very true. That's very true. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know. Like, I mean, you think about it and you're like, well, he's doing a lot. He's got 10 minutes. Right. And he believes he has 10 minutes. Right. He's getting the thing. He's got the whole plan. Uh, You know, he plans everything out for Marta and what she has to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't know. Like, I, I. I hadn't really thought about it. I think that you're right, but I think it's something I'm willing to forgive because yeah. we get so yeah, much. Yeah, I mean, out I am that. too, yeah. but like really if it he's that smart, then you basically have mm-hmm. Sherlock as as Blanc. Yeah. And you have Moriarty mm-hmm. as Harlan. He's trying as Harlan. to trick. Oh, look at right. That. He's actually trying yeah. to trick future people about his own death. They're gonna run yeah. a talk screen. He knows he thinks mm-hmm. he has all this morphine in his system. Yeah. Marta's gonna get blamed for that unless he left a note. And he didn't right. leave a note. So I'm like, I yeah. I don't know. But then I think I'm overthinking it because I really enjoyed the no, movie. No, I think but- it's I think it's a really good point. Um, it never occurred to me because I was so into all of it. I was so bought into all of it that I'm like, yes, absolutely, you know. But you're absolutely <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and then of course there, we've got the Game of Thrones uh, knife chair. What the hell? So the the, the Iron Throne is just in this house. It is made mm-hmm. of knives. The wall is made of knives. There is something in this movie that I missed. It is called <laughs> Knives Out. It is obviously a thing. It went over my head. Uh-huh. How many of those mm-hmm. knives were, were fake? Were they all fake? Was there one? Is Marta literally the luckiest person on the planet? I don't understand. I can't turn these questions off even when I'm really enjoying a story. I have no fun to watch movies with. But I, 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 I it, it's just what the eccentricity of the narrative, I guess. Yeah. But it is. I, it is yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's it. Those were the only those were my only like, OK, what about this question? Yeah. It's yeah. really funny because I do not have a specific memory of like what explains that chair or the knives. But I feel like in the beginning, in one of the interviews with the kids, that somebody says something about the chair. And I think there is one fake knife in there. I think they seeded that. Oh my that. God. But I don't remember. I don't remember. And unfortunately, yeah. by the time we got to this question, we were already recording the thing. So I know. I, I didn't know. think about this until yeah, tonight because I, I did my notes know. at the last well, second. Well, when we watch it again um, for yes. structure, we'll, yes. we'll answer those questions then. We'll see if we can't answer those questions then. Um, but yeah. I think I'm willing to let all that go. Um, all right. So then we come to fixing things for narrative theory and again when you're when you're fixing something with narrative theory the most important thing is preserving what a story intended to do we've gone through and looked at what it intended to do and also preserving what it did well um, so mm-hmm. you start with the positives you guard the positives um, and then of course go through and fix it using your narrative theory and then I was looking at it and I was like hey nothing I got nothing, nothing to fix in this movie nope no. I think it was all this is great, this is conflict. so beautifully yeah. this is a this is a, a KonMari folded t-shirt that is so gorgeous yes, that you is. would never mm-hmm. attempt to refold it because it is perfect mm-hmm. as it is like I no, I wouldn't change anything narratively yeah. conflicts none of that I would leave character development con- nothing I would leave it all alone it's great no I think there's all fantastic stuff and I just honestly would not do anything with it which brings us just to now we don't have a fix it section so we're just going to skip ahead to love what you love Kelly what did you love about Knives Out oh my god I love the bookend um I like my favorite favorite part so I mean you know me books and coffee Mm -hmm. like that's oh my god I get them both so we open (laughs) with Fran making Harlan's coffee and carrying it upstairs Mm -hmm. and very poignantly I thought this mug says my house, my rules, my coffee. 
mm-hmm. and it is being made for Harlan by someone else. Mm-hmm. So, like, he is in such a position of privilege that someone is bringing him the mug yeah. that says mine, mm-hmm. right? Which was, it was kind of an interesting visual yeah. note. And mm-hmm. so you have the reality, my house, my rules. We have what mm-hmm. all the other characters assume that means. Mm-hmm. He dies. Now it's their house. It's our house. The rules say he's going to leave us all this money. So like you have, it was, it was really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And then at the end, we have Marta who made her own goddamn coffee, by the way, yeah, on that balcony overlooking everybody holding that same mug, my rules. Well, her rules were tell the goddamn truth and be kind, mm-hmm. you know, yes. and, and that is now her house because she told the truth and she was yeah. kind. Um, and it was it was such a fantastic bookend to communicate so much in such a, a quick, easy, you know, with a coffee mug that they managed mm-hmm. to communicate all that. I just I mean, applause, applause, applause. <laughs> it was excellent. <laughs> what about it. you? What's your favorite part? Evil Captain America in a cable knit sweater. Oh, I think that's yeah. basically. <laughs> Gimme. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a so much i mean as i'm looking through all of my notes i'm like okay i love tony collette yeah i love her oh i read a tweet about an article about you in the new yorker you know um lakeith stanfield by the way who played uh the detective elliot yes um i absolutely loved him i loved him in atlanta um i love him in this i love him everywhere he has such beautiful subtlety and there's so much going on with Mm -hmm. everything that it's really easy not to see yeah. What he's doing with a part that's actually kind of the straight man. Didn't he have such a great line at one point when he pulled over Harlan, and, I mean, uh, Ransom and Marta, and he said, uh-huh. that was the dumbest car chase ever. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, such a great line. I, I love him so much. And I think that, like, it's so easy when you're on screen with so many people who are chewing the scenery the mm-hmm. way these people are chewing the scenery. Um, and he's just there in this really solid performance. I loved him. Yeah. You know, yeah. I loved too the other guy whose name I think was Wagner, uh, the other cop. And he was such a huge fan of Harlan's. And so he yes. knew all of the details. And every now and again, he'd pop in with one of those details. Mm-hmm. And then you would see you would see Elliot just like, ugh, you know, all right, fine, whatever. It's just yes. he is he is the guy the only person in this entire thing who is completely grounded, completely mm-hmm. normal, very smart, yep. very like, you know, I mean, I love him so much. And I think it's really easy to miss that performance. But that performance is fucking spot on. Yeah. So yep. great. It it's really so was. Great. It was yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah. It was really So really there's good. so much stuff. I also love this, like, I anticipate the terminus of gravity's rainbow, right, thing, which is just ridiculous. And then she says gravity's rainbow. He's like, it's a novel. She's like, yeah, I know, but I haven't read it. And there's something that I love about that whole interaction with mm-hmm. Benoit and Marta and that in one, he's talking about this very obscure novel, right? Um, two, she knows what it is. Like she's heard of it, you know, mm-hmm. um, but she hasn't read it and she admits that she hasn't read it, which most people yeah. would be like, well, yeah, you know, whatever, you know, um, right. but she completely admits she is completely without pretense, you know? Yeah. But and then, then he, here's this guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he validates that immediately. Yeah. He he says nobody's read it yeah like Neither it was, have i nobody yeah. has nobody yeah. has um he That's never honest. tears her I down you know mm-hmm. he's 
Mm-hmm. That there, there is a real appreciation he has for her yeah. that shows up throughout this whole movie in a way that I couldn't figure out at first. You know why? Because I'm not used to seeing men treat women like that on screen. It took me With like respect. half an hour yeah, yeah. to figure out, yeah. oh, he likes and respects her. That's what's going on here. <laughs> 30 minutes, probably maybe more. (laughs) Yeah, it's nice. It is so nice. It is so nice. I've I've been getting this feeling more and more with more stories. I remember it happening um, so specifically um, in Black Panther when I watched the way that women were treated in Black Panther um, and and just felt that so personally, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, I was very, very pleased with also the way that the black people, black people were written in that story as well you know um but that's not a personal experience for me but i experienced the way that women were written and i loved it and um and i noticed that more when i watch something and i feel that like i'm so used to just from my experience as a woman i know that people from all sorts of of backgrounds and experiences have this in a million different ways um Mm -hmm. you know also so i'm not saying that this is the only experience it's just the one that i can speak to um but that feeling of relief that you get when you realize you're not going to get slapped you know in a movie or in a tv show um and the fact that it's so rare you know, mm-hmm. um, is is kind of sad, but also that it's happening more. And I felt that in Knives Out. You know, yeah, I felt I like too. I wasn't getting slapped for being a woman. Yeah, I I was telling, uh, I, I was, I'm trying to remember. Oh, I was having a conversation with my sweetie about this. Um, mm-hmm. That it was a the expression I I use. I've realized this more and more is that I'm waiting for the teeth to come out. Yes, like it's it's almost mm-hmm. hard to relax into a movie that I have not yeah. seen or mm-hmm. into a book by an author. I don't know because I am waiting for mm-hmm. the teeth to come out. Um, right. and, and that didn't happen here. And now I'm like, I, I can rewatch it and enjoy it even more. And so you don't have to have your guard up, which by the way, is an experience that I had with uh, two other movies that we're going to be watching um, in the run of this season. When we talk about, can you ever forgive me with yes. McCarthy yes. and, um, and arrival arrival. Oh, arrival. It's one of my oh, favorite movies arrival. of all time. I'm so glad we're going to so talk about excited. it. It's going to be I'm so, so excited. So, but I'm really glad you <laughs> picked knives out. I had not, I had yeah. no point of reference for it whatsoever. I thoroughly mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Um, it was fantastic. I am here for evil Captain America and Jamie Lee Curtis. It was great. So, <laughs> so we want to hear your thoughts. So to join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Dr. Kelly Jones and Lonnie at Lonnie Diane Rich and use the hashtag HowStoryWorks. You can also follow all our shows and news at Chipperish. HowStoryWorks and everything Chipperish Media does is made free to all by our generous patrons. If you're getting value out of this discussion, we ask that you help us out by kicking a dollar or two a month our way so we can keep on having a regurgitative reaction to mistruthing. <laughs> this episode of How Story Works was brought to you by the Chipperish Media Producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why How Story Works is coming to you free and ad-free right now and some of them are here watching us live at this moment. Yay! <laughs> so thank you to our January producers Shelly, Christina, Kristen, Jonathan, Rose, Erica, Alice, Abigail, and Sarah. And this week's special message for our power producers, I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. You're famous. Oh my God, that was so cute. I love you so much. (laughs) 
stuff is happening for our Patreon supporters. Lonnie and I released our discussion of the Queen's Gambit for all patrons. $5 and up supporters get access to Lonnie's new video podcast with Ian Martin from Passion of the Nerd, Let's Watch Roulette, where they roll a random movie or TV show, watch it, and then react. And our $10 and up supporters get to hang out and watch while we record and lose track of the number of edits, sideways, segways, mistakes, (laughs) discussions, and and stories that are completely irrelevant to what we're doing here. And it's fun. So if you're not a Chipper supporter yet, now is definitely the time to start. All right. We'll be back next time with our discussion of Godmothered. Until then, that's some heavy-duty conjecture. (laughs) 